This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, here we go. Hour three. It's just clipping right along. First day back in the working week. And, of course, uh, made it through the weekend. Most of us, we hope. But it is, of course, uh, one of those things where we're watching it hourly, not daily now. We're listed hour by hour, it seems. And uh, there have been obvious consequences, both health-wise as well as with the economy and uh, measures to address both. Uh, some being heated, others not so much. Others we heard in the last hour from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business think it's at least there are still some areas that have been overlooked and need to be addressed for people to be made whole. On that front, because we know that the two are linked so inextricably uh, that you can't really part one from the other. And uh, we've got our friend John Turley joining us, usually does address the Wednesday panel. But uh, we've got the panel coming by shortly. John, though, a risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets and our go-to guy in matters of uh, really unpacking the economic issues on this. John, how are you faring? How did you make out over the weekend? Not too bad, uh, John. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, quite pleasant yesterday. Uh, went for a bike ride. I didn't play soccer with anybody, uh, and and, and uh, sat alone in my uh, backyard and had a glass of wine. So I'm respecting all the rules. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, when we heard from Dr. David Williams, the chief medical officer of health for the province, he came out with a rather stern missive earlier today saying, you know, hey, folks, uh, you got to socially isolate and distance yourselves. Stay home except for essential reasons. Don't abuse that either. Going to the grocery store, I get it, necessary to do, but as well, uh, really try to tamp that down. Why do you suppose a lot of people are still disregarding the message? I mean, it's not like it hasn't been imparted, like, incessantly. I know we've been doing it. Yeah, I think I think what it is is that people have a hard time connecting, uh, you know, the social isolation piece of this or physical distancing from the economic impact. You know, it's it's one thing where you, when you see a you know a store burn down, you right away it's obvious what the the economic damage is. With this, I think people are having a hard time grasping it. Certainly, the markets are having no hard time grasping it. We've seen what's happened there. But for regular folks, um, but you know, day to day lives, it's hard to really conceptualize what the impact of this is in terms of the economics, except for those who are, you know, now seeing their jobs, uh, you know, jeopardized. And, uh, and for those people, you know, they can, again, recognize it personally, but the bigger picture sometimes is a little bit harder to see, especially when you're cooped up in a house or a little condo all the time. Yeah, tell me about the big picture today. I didn't have a chance to really follow the markets. I saw they were, uh, there was a bounce to the upside uh, early on. How did we close? Oh, we did well today. So the Dow Jones uh, was up uh, just over 3%. The TSX was up uh, 2.76%. But, John, the real story is oil. Uh, oil, uh, West Texas uh, Intermediate dropped below $20 today. And uh, you can now get a, a barrel of Western Canadian Select uh, for uh, you know less than a, a pint of beer. Or if you go to a fancy place, uh, less than a nice cappuccino. Yeah, I saw it at three fifty. Yeah, uh, by that's it's 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 a crazy price, John. And uh, you know, this is we saw, for example, uh, the first refinery in North America closed down, and that was in uh, Newfoundland, uh, come by chance. So it shut down for uh, two to five months, uh, and uh, we're going to see more of this uh, occurring unless uh, we get this resolved. I mean, we need you know basically twenty-seven U.S. dollars per barrel. Uh, for for our Western Canadian Select to uh, be profitable, uh, for, and for us to pay for our expenses, but we can't even ship this stuff by rail. Uh, it's just too expensive. And the challenge is for our producers, 
uh, it's very expensive to shut down your, their plants. So we may well see them pay people to take uh, the oil off their hands. And, you know, based on the estimates that I've seen coming out of uh, the various uh, uh, you know, banks that follow the, the oil industry, we've got about 30 to 60 days until the entire storage in North America is full. And at that point, uh, you know, we, we have nowhere to place this oil. Yeah, and this is because that's another part of the uh, tentacles of uh, what has hit us. The Saudis and the Russians having this oil battle for market share. And so if our barrel's gone down, uh, what we're pumping out of the grounds or taking out of the grounds in Alberta, $3.50. I mean, that's unconscionable. I mean, do you ever see it coming back? I read a report today, I think it was Goldman Sachs, saying it would be back to 55 a barrel by sometime in 2021. That seems yeah, pretty far-fetched. I don't think that's far-fetched. So it's interesting. I've been following uh, the U.S. on this in, in particular, and, and I suspect what our federal government has done, because as you can see, we still don't have an oil package uh, brought forward. What they're likely doing is trying to rely on the U.S., uh, and the U.S. Is, is currently pressuring the Saudis heavily. And I've heard, listening to some uh, senators today, uh, they were on a call with the Saudi ambassador last week. They're describing what Saudi is doing as economic war. And uh, they're getting quite serious, I think, now with the Saudis. And Trump is talking about the influence they have over the Saudis. I think we're probably going to see uh, some kind of change uh, in the near future. As you know, April 1st is the, is the, uh, the day when all the, all the countries in OPEC can produce as much as they, as they want. I think Canada might be waiting for some kind of Hail Mary pass so that April 1st doesn't uh, occur. And I, I do believe that Trump also talked to Putin today as well. If not today, then this weekend. So, you know, I think what we're going to see is uh, political pressure put on the Saudis. Uh, the taps hopefully shut off and then maybe a spike up in the oil price, uh, which will, uh, you know, help save uh, our oil patch anyways from utter destruction. Again, with John Turley Ewart, he's a risk, uh, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets, experienced on Bay and Wall Streets, and we're talking about the... Uh, I guess the overarching economic situation because it informs a lot of people's uh, well-being going forward as much as the health story, although I guess it's all predicated on the health story until we get a, a vaccine. Uh, maybe we're not out of the woods on this one. But, John, you know, yesterday when the Treasury Secretary and the state, Steve Mnuchin, and Trump, too, were saying we'll be back up and running by June 1, uh, do you see that happening in any scenario, best-case scenario? Well, you know, it's... it's uh... It's not impossible, uh, but it is optimistic. Now, I, I, I would note that uh, Abbott Labs today is launching a rapid test kit uh, for uh, COVID-19, which uh, should give you results within about uh, five minutes to determine whether you, you have a problem with uh, COVID-19. Uh, if you start seeing uh, tests like that surface uh, and be pre produced in the millions, and it allows for the kind of testing that we've seen in places like uh, South Korea and Taiwan, uh, then I, I don't see why you can't be optimistic. But, again, we, if you look at places like New York, uh, and then, you know, it, it's, it's very concerning when you see the, the number of folks there that are coming down with COVID-19, and particularly the strain it's putting on their, their health care system. And now, I mean, the, the, the number of deaths in the U.S. continues to climb. So as I, it's always nice to be optimistic, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see enough on the ground yet to say it's going to happen by June 1st. But I also would say that the Americans are concerned that the economic damage uh, could be worse than the disease if this continues to uh, unfold at a very slow pace.
Yeah, I just shudder to think if uh, the idea is to open up again, open up the economy out of necessity as much as anything, but they still haven't tamped down the virus as it spreads. That's just like a perfect storm uh, waiting to upend things again. There's even talk now of a second round coming through China. But let me ask you, too, because since plan, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, it was uh, fine-tuned and... Justin Trudeau presented it today. 75% of the first 58700 that you earn uh, would be paid out, and he's hoping the other 25% would be topped up by the employer. I mean, I mean you might have gone through uh, all of these line items. Just at first blush, uh, this government assistance to small, medium, and large businesses, is it enough? Well, I, I think we it, it is generous at $847 a week. The challenge here, though, John, is, is that this keeps coming out in a very, like, slow pace. Uh, it, it sounds to me like the government throws something out there. Uh, they wait to see how people respond to it. Uh, and if, uh, you know, the, the signals seem right, then they're willing to go with it. If they don't get the right signals, then they come back again to the table and offer more. But the c- concern here is execution. And it's really what, what's – it's a how, what, and when. You know, 847 uh, bucks. how are we going to access that? When, when uh, do we, you know, get it? And what do we have to do to, to demonstrate? When they say, you know, you have to have 30% loss in revenues, well, that's not something you easily turn around in, in, in a minute. And who's going to review that? Like, are they going to have, uh, you know, a massive accountant sitting there going through a uh, balance sheet and, and income statements to determine that? Like, it's, parts of this seem very bureaucratic. Well, and part of it is uh, built on the honor system or trust, and that's what the Prime Minister was saying, and uh, he was also intimating that there'd be penalties, serious ones, uh, if people were found to be in violation, but he couldn't spell out any details on that, so it's a work in progress, as you say, and maybe they're overly reactive rather than being proactive. But here's the other question I'm curious about. If all of this money, and the package now is in excess of $200 billion, you know, on stateside, boy, they're talking as much as $6 trillion. Does all of that relief money circulate in the economy, uh, and is it worth it? I mean, it has to create value, doesn't it? Oh, it's well, it's absolutely worth it, John. I mean, if you think about what we're being asked to do, uh, we're being asked to stay at home and shut down the economy for the greater good of our health care system. And this is something that is, is vitally important. That, you know, that's why you have bankers saying, central bankers saying, we'll do whatever it takes. And that's key. And I think it is worth it. Yeah, but to my question, does it circulate in the economy? Absolutely it does, because it goes into people's pockets. They can pay their rent. They can pay for their food. Uh, they can, uh, you know, perhaps uh, buy from Amazon rather than go to the local mall. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you have it in there. Not, it's not going to be like, you know, the economy was in January, obviously, where everyone's working. But what it does is it keeps a minimum base uh, going until we can go back to work and restart the economy. It is vitally important, vitally important. All right, but so then the argument is if $200 billion by way of this rescue package is going to circulate in the economy, why not make it $300 billion? Yeah, well, that's, the question is, is how much do you want to pay after this? And so I suspect what the government is trying to figure out is with each, uh, you know, 10 or 15 or $20 billion to attack on is what's the cost down the road to service that debt? Uh, and to manage it, because the one thing that we will not get away from is having to pay this back, and that's the monkey on our back, John, that we're going to have to work with for, you know, the next 10 or 20 years. This is not debt that is going to disappear in a few years. This is debt that we're going to have to figure out how to resolve, and it's also going to crimp things that we want to spend money on, such as infrastructure, 
social programs, all of that's going to be impacted by this. Yeah, that's generational debt. So uh, maybe some of those younger folk playing soccer in the park and violating the health care rules uh, might want to process that information if it's not too long long of an arc to do so. You're going to be paying for this down the road, so uh, nip it in the bud sooner rather than later. John, always appreciate it. We're going to let you run along. I'm sure we're going to talk again before too long because this thing Thank continues you. to fester. Yep. Thanks, John. John. Yep, John Turley, you are at Risk Management Consultant, specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.